listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, this morning. Now, let's turn to our next guest and topic of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about ADHD awareness. Now, according to Hip Hong Society, which is a leading child education and rehabilitation organization here in Hong Kong, the prevalence rate of ADHD in Hong Kong is similar to the worldwide figure, which is around 5 to 9%. So, what does this mean? And to mull over this topic, we're talking to this morning. Morning. I'm really delighted to be chatting with Janice Lee, who's a clinical psychologist, along with Cindy Pang, who's a project manager, both from Hip Hong Society. Welcome to the program, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Maybe I'll start off with you first, Cindy. Now, tell us a little bit more about uh, Hip Hong Society. What exactly do you do there? Oh, sure. Hip Hong Society is one of the long-serving, long-government organization in Hong Kong, and this is a leading education and rehabilitation organization offering professional assessment, guidance, training, and family support services. We are committed to helping children and young people of different ability to maximize their potential and empower families and contribute to an inclusive society. And Janice and I are working in a pilot scheme funded by the Health Bureau called ADHD Plus. Maybe I can introduce a bit about our project. In our project, we work to provide timely assessment and intervention for people suspected to have ADHD. Of course, I think you may have heard uh, the waiting time for professional support at the hospital authority require HA is quite long. Mm, on average, how a, long is? I'm oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. in average, uh, a child with suspected ADHD who would like to receive support or assessment from the hospital authority, they would have to wait for around two years uh, after handling uh, after handing in their referral letter. So we find that during during this waiting period, more of them receive very few or to low su- no support for their difficulties and symptoms. Therefore, uh, our project is designed to provide early detections and interventions for them and in hope to reduce the challenges they might face in their academic, their social and family relationship or other aspects. Uh, lastly, unlike uh, formal ADHD assessments, our project does not make diagnosis for our participants. Our focus is on the tailored intervention plan we make based on their specific needs, symptoms. Okay, yeah. so talk us through the um, assessment process. How do they get that referral letter? What is the process like for, for them in order to get through to the program or, or get oh. early intervention? Okay, so Janice? for our project, then um, they don't need a formal referral letter. We have a QR code on our leaflets. And so usually um, when parents or teachers, they receive our leaflets, then they would just uh, go through and see the program and think that, oh, this project might be suitable for them. And then they can just scan and then um, they can fill in the online form and then that's it. And we will contact them later on. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's. I want to talk about the symptoms as well, but let's mm-hmm. back up a little bit. For some of our listeners mm-hmm. who may not be so familiar with ADHD mm-hmm. or attention mm-hmm. hyperdeficit disorder, what exactly is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is so true that ADHD is a term we come across quite often, but it is very common for us not really actually know what exactly is. So um, I can share a bit. Uh, 
Firstly, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It is one of the most common neurodevelopmental disorders. And the worldwide figures tell us that about one in every 16 people would suffer from ADHD. So it is quite common. And ADHD symptoms typically emerge in childhood and they can proceed into adolescence, and even adulthood as well. Mm -hmm. And also, there is no exact cause of ADHD found. But research suggests that a combination of genetic, neurological, and environmental factors that would also contribute to the development of ADHD. Is it, her is it hereditary? I mean, if your parents have it, are you more likely to develop these sort of symptoms? It is one of the factors. Yeah, it is quite common for um, parents with ADHD to also have like children with ADHD. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, the her hereditary aspect is pretty um, significant, I'd yeah. say. But of course, back in the day, we didn't know if we had ADHD or mm -hmm. we weren't formally diagnosed. Yeah. You know, maybe that kid was just more active. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, and and perhaps and and so we don't really know. It's like I suppose like autism. You know, back in the day, we didn't know somebody um, was autistic. Maybe they were a bit shy. Yeah. They didn't yeah, like yeah. to have eye contact. Mm, so yeah. okay, okay. Um, so yeah, um, can we? Can you share a little bit more about the signs and the symptoms? I mean, what can caregivers look out mm. for? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So maybe uh, yeah, for I'll, you then, Janice. Yeah. So I think in general we can classify ADHD symptoms in three main aspects, um, which are the symptoms of inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity. So um, for inattention, I think the common symptoms include like having difficulty sustaining attention, um, being easily distracted, being forgetful all the time, and also struggling with organization, time management. Those are the common symptoms. But I think something to highlight is that a a lot of people might think that, oh, people with ADHD or inattention, they, they don't have any like sustained attention ability or they can't pay attention to anything. And that's not really true because you can see kids with ADHD, they, they can spend extended periods of time um, on their mobile phones or on YouTube, you know, so that doing that, something they like. To yeah, do. exactly. Like doing something they like. But the difficult part or what's more telling about their attentional difficulties is that you know they they struggle with tasks that are not rewarding not interesting or tasks that require mental mental effort yeah so maybe like homework or household chores those sort of tasks they would have difficulty sustaining attention yeah so that is the inattention symptoms the other part is hyperactivity so um, individuals with hyperactivity their symptoms include like being restless all the time they they keep moving their bodies they can't stay seated for a long periods of time or they'll be talking excessively okay so um, these symptoms are more prominent in childhood so we can see it in children maybe hyperactive children they run around they like climb everywhere or they just simply can't stay seated even if we try to remind them or tell them to stop moving but then they would still feel this urge to keep moving yeah and also if they really can control their their limbs to stop moving they might start talking 
you know, they would hum or sing or just distract and chat with others. Yeah, that sounds like most kids. You know, <laughs> kids kids don't like to do their homework, yes. and they probably don't like to do household chores. And yeah, 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 most yeah. of the time, kids can't sit still. <laughs> so how? I mean. Would it would it mean that a lot of parents are concerned that their uh, children have mm-hmm. you know ADHD yeah. for example? I think that's a good question because I think a lot of us, including like children or even or adults, us, yeah, yeah. Yes. we can relate to having symptoms of ADHD. Yeah, because we don't like to pay attention for like boring tasks or we would procrastinate all the time. Yeah, but I think the difference is the. Um, uh, First, it debilitates how, them yeah, to focus exactly, on yeah. on important tasks like yeah. So homework, um, yes. also like how much of the symptoms we have all together. Like if we only have like one or two versus for ADHD, you have to have a certain amount of symptoms and also the severity of symptoms. Yeah, and yeah, 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 and the impairment is very important as well. So, for example, like maybe I I don't like to pay attention or I. Or maybe, I talk, maybe I talk a lot, but I yeah. can sit still. Yeah, yeah. but I can sit sure. still, and I I don't talk in like a very an appropriate setting. Yeah, then that's not um, impairing for us. But for ADHD individuals, they these symptoms really affect their it's daily very impulsive lives. Impulsive, and yeah. they have little to oh, no yeah. control over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The exactly. Urge yeah, the to... third aspect is is the impulsive um, symptoms, which usually includes like they they don't think about the consequences before taking actions, or they have different difficulties waiting and they're impatient in general so you can see like the kids they they will complain a lot if they have to wait or they will find it very difficult to to think before they take actions and they will just like do stuff and regret it later so yeah yeah, these are the common symptoms i'd say some of the common labels for them would be things like oh they can't sit still or or they're naughty Mm, yeah what are the effects of labels like this for Uh, for someone who you know mm -hmm. maybe has adhd Mm -hmm. and and perhaps Mm -hmm. caregivers and i'm thinking in a place like hong kong sometimes (laughs) both parents have to work so maybe it's the helpers yeah. Maybe it's the gong gong popo, the, mm-hmm. the, the grandparents, and maybe they don't realize that there is a disorder at mm-hmm. play, and they're just calling, you know, the yeah. children naughty. What are some of the effects of that? I think that it is quite common for um, kids to be labeled as naughty and you know mischievous or or just lazy. Like these are common um, labels that uh, ADHD children might res- might have, and it is quite sad for them because they they don't know that they have ADHD as well. So they might think that, oh, really, I am that bad kid in class. I am the the class clown, or they would think that. So sometimes it does affect their self-esteem, for example, like if it's a very long-term thing, and then they also internalize and think that, oh, I am really um, unable to be a good student or a good child, or they would receive a lot of negative criticisms from teachers and parents. So I think like if... It's common that if in the school teachers complain about the child, then they would tell the parents, and then the parents would also have to school, scold the child. So, so it's it like is, a double whammy yeah, for the child. It is quite sad yeah. for them, and that's why we we always emphasize on um, early detection and you know identification of ADHD or any SEN as as a matter of fact, like yeah, to to help others and not just the individual but the people around them to understand them and to not um, just be so critical of them yeah yeah and because they learn differently and it's about finding the way that you're mm. able to 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 help them learn better and provide that scaffolding so yeah. perhaps let's talk a bit about the assessment and mm-hmm. and sort of 
how is it gone about? How do how how, how should caregivers sort of note that you know my child uh, maybe has ADHD, or what can teachers or parents look out for? How is the assessment made? Okay, so. If we're talking about a formal assessment process, then it really does um, depend on you know the parents or the teachers might notice some signs and symptoms and refer them to or suggest them to find some professional um, assessment process. So the pros- the the components of the pro- uh, assessment might differ between different healthcare professionals, like slightly, but in general, I think that they would in. Um, include several components. Um, first, there's the intake interview, which um, is an, basically an interview where the professional would ask the parents um, all about the symptoms of the child, like um, the developmental history, and what the signs and symptoms are, and how it affects different aspects of the child. So they would have to ask, like, oh, how's their social relationships? How's his um, emotion regulation style? And how's his relationship with um, family members, etc. So just to get a complete picture of the of the child and whether or not the ADHD symptoms are present and affecting the person. So that's the interview part. And then um, if you go out to maybe private settings, there's more formal standardized assessments for um, ADHD. Um, they include like neuropsychological assessment tools. So you can have a... What's that then? Th- those tools are for targeted for, um, you know, assessing ADHD symptoms and the severity. So there's a norm reference scores there for the do assessment. They play, do, do the children play games in a classroom it's, setting? I Are you observing them doing an activity? If we're talking about the standardized assessment, then it's more of a one-on-one in a formal setting. Yeah. Um, those, if we're in a class and obs- observe, observing the child, then um, those are also take we take into account those as well so those are more of a behavioral observation source of information um, for the test then you can actually have scores so they can compare if your child's score is comparable to the norm or they're slightly weaker or significantly weaker then we can have more evidence of whether or not the child has ADHD yeah and I think commonly people would also collect um, questionnaires and rating scales so um, Usually for a child, we would ask the parents and teachers to also fill in some of the um, assess the, the questionnaires because we want information from multiple settings instead of only just one. Yeah, so you see that we in an assessment, we have to gather different sources of information and then look at it as a whole to see if oh the child really has ADHD. And so I think for but for parents and teachers, the most important part is to just be aware of ADHD symptoms and to, you know, if they really feel like, oh, their child has a little bit more of the symptoms, then don't be afraid to just go seek help and or ask maybe the school or ask a professional or a medical doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Are attitudes changing towards ADHD or, or, you know, um, well, we're not talking about autism today, Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. you know, uh, different types of uh, uh, neurological uh, disorders. Are people more likely to seek help? Are, are parents and caregivers coming forward mm. to to organizations such as Heap Home Society yeah. to say, oh, you know, maybe my child is learning differently. Are you seeing a change in attitude? Yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. Um, in general, we receive a lot of walk-in inquiries. Oh. Mm. So I think that a lot of the parents are more aware of 
um, special educational needs in general. So they would really try to seek help or find support to help them. And yeah, I think that the awareness is um, improving in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about for you then, Cindy? Are you noticing, um, yeah, just more awareness about this? Yeah, sure. I agree with uh, what Janice just said uh, because uh, uh, it is quite interesting that uh, some parents may bring their uh, child for us for mm. assessment or mm-hmm. understand more about ADHD. They will also ask us if they also have ADHD. <laughs> so, so the parents are curious about their yes. own. Yeah. Yes, they, of... they are aware of the genetic factors as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that, that's interesting. I never thought of it mm-hmm. like that. And, and they it's want just, to know... It's a quite common. Yeah, <laughs> okay. If they gain more awareness from the child and then yes. they realize, it oh, made them think maybe about I am also <laughs> suffering from that as well. Sure, that's an interesting take. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, I, I know we're talking about ADHD today, but... I know that no, um, sort of people often do diagnosis or assessments for autism. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you can find AD, Can you find out whether you've got ADHD through an autism assessment? Are mm. they linked? Are they similar? Uh, okay. So I, I think it's quite interesting that you ask that. I think it is quite common for um, individuals with one SEN, like autism, to have other SEN issues. So it is common to have uh, what we call comorbidities. Yeah. So it basically is that if we're thinking like, oh, I have autism, but also we have other SEN issues. So I think in an autism assessment, maybe the professional might notice some signs and symptoms that don't necessarily match with only having autism. And then they'll think like, oh, that might be more um, similar to uh, ADHD. But if we want to have a more formal diagnosis of ADHD, then probably the professional would have to further investigate on um, those signs and symptoms and have a more complete um, evaluation of ADHD. But I think that the autism assessment can just spark like a, a new way of uh, looking at the child as a whole. So because they do overlap. So yeah. I think that is possible. But I think uh, you, you can't solely do an autism assessment and then have a result of ADHD. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the reason I ask is because I think autism in girls presents itself differently. Mm. And so far, the assessment for girls is still marked against the assessment for boys. Mm. But of course, autism for girls could be that they are very sociable and mm. that they're very chatty. Mm. Um, but that could then also be a sign of ADHD. Mm. So yeah. yeah, that's the reason I ask. But mm, yeah, okay. so if parents do suspect that their children have sort of special educational needs, it's better to have separate mm-hmm. diagnosis mm-hmm. and separate uh, assessments yeah, uh, yeah. as well. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the treatments and therapies for, for, for ADHD, uh, for, for children with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Janice? Um, oh, I think Cindy yeah, can sure. share a bit maybe, about our maybe. project because <laughs> we, in our project, we have some um, group interventions and Cindy is in charge of them. <laughs> yes, um, and actually uh, there are quite different evidence-based interventions available for children with ADHD. And the choice of treatments uh, usually depends on different factors, uh, such as uh, the child age, uh, their specific symptoms, and their individual needs. Uh, in our project, uh, we we provide behavioral therapy, uh, which focus on teaching uh, children specific skills and strategies to manage their symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
What sort of behavioural mm-hmm. therapy? Give us an example. Yes, so if uh, a child goes to it, what sorts of activities one, do they do? One of do? the most common training we provide is mm. social skills training. Mm. Mm. And as we mentioned before, uh, children with ADHD may struggle with uh, social interaction relationship and social skill training may help them to develop appropriate social behavior and enhance their social awareness of getting along with others uh, aware more aware on their behaviors and the impact on others and we hope to improve their communication skills and problem-solving ability. Mm. Uh, we also attach great importance uh, to parents' training and education uh, because parents are the most important figures and uh, lifelong mentor for their children. So it is really important for uh, parents to recognize what ADHD is and understand the challenges that ADHD brings to their children so that they will not always blame blame their Mm. children and instead they can uh, emphasize more about their strength and what they what good things they can do Mm. it is important for the ADHD child and parent skills training would also uh, help parents to effect effectively manage their children's behavior uh, as well as improve the communications with their children and enhance their ability to empathize with children's emotions and promote a harmony families. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, sometimes a uh, uh, clinical psychologist Janice <laughs> we we also provide individual support yeah. like counseling and family support depending on the need of our participants especially uh, for children and parents dealing with different emotional issues. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, in a project we do hope to not only just target um, the individuals with ADHD or suspected with ADHD, but we realize the importance of supporting the family members or people around them. So that's why we um, also offer like parent support or, um, you know, parent training, that sort of um, training aspect. But I think um, in our project, we do focus mostly on non-pharmacological interventions for ADHD, you know, the behavioral training and everything. But um, it is very important, the pharmacological treatment. It is one of the most commonly used and effective treatments. So ADHD medication really, you know, helps with um, improving like, like the symptom reduction, like improving attention or um, enhancing the impulse control. So I think that the medication is also an important treatment for ADHD and just that you need to um, go seek some consultation with a psychiatrist and, you know, they can carefully monitor the dosage and what type of medication they're using. And then that would be great. For, yeah. In, I think in our um, training, we, we do come across some children who have more severe symptoms of ADHD and more significant impairments. And we find that they might not be, you know, um, responding that well to only having behavioral interventions. So we do suggest with uh, to the parents that, oh, maybe they can go out to um, seek some, you know, medical consultation and to see if adding on the medication um, can help them improve 
more um, significantly. Yeah. It sounds like it's very holistic that, you know, you also offer parental support <laughs> and, and give them a, a whole yeah. network of, of support mm-hmm. as well. Um, at Hip Hong Society, are they able to meet other parents? And are there sort of gatherings so that parents <laughs> can share their shared journey, if you, if yes. you like? Yeah, there are as well. Yeah. Okay, well, remind our listeners once again, how can we find out more about ADHD Plus and how can we find out more about the work you do <laughs> at uh, Hip Hong Society? If you would like to uh, know more about us, uh, please visit our website, www.heephong.org or call our hotline of the project, 3611 Excellent. Well, meanwhile, thank you so much for your time. Cindy Pang, who's the project manager from Hip Hong Society, along with Janice Lee, a clinical psychologist, also from Hip Hong Society. Thank you very much indeed. Thank, thank you, you for so having much. us again, Noreen. Thank you. <laughs>